Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest on this episode is Sarah Sanchez, who you know from Bleed Cubby Blue blog, but now she's working for Fangraph, so she's moving on up. Um, we just talk about everything going on with the Cubs. Tour's still hanging in there, 500 record. But, you know, the trouble with their starting staff, the emergence of Albert Alzali, but is he limited innings-wise? And, yeah, just a lot more about John Lester and Kyle Schrober and their return as enemy players and the emotional experience and yeah just everything else involving the Cubs as always you can uh, follow me on Twitter at STH85 I would like it if you went on the uh, Apple podcast app and rated and reviewed my podcast it doesn't take very long and it's a nice way to show you support everything that we're doing here and yeah, I mean, always helps to know that they got some fans out there, but anyway, I won't delay you any longer. Here is Sarah. Sarah, welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Glad to have you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, we have this series with the Tigers. You know, the Tigers suck. So I'll just, we'll start with that. But, you, you, you know, when a team's really bad like that, you almost have this reverse presser, pressure. Like, you have to win two of three. You should sweep, but you have to win two of three. And, of course, the Cubs uh, dropped this game on Saturday. Again, you're thinking, oh, my God, they're going to lose two out of three to the Tigers. This is going to be so bad. That's basically what Twitter was like uh, all Saturday night. But they – Kyle Hendricks came out, this great performance, and they won two of three. So I guess we'd be relieved. I don't know about relieved. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do, and the Saturday game was really close. So I thought that the Cubs had an okay series in Detroit. I think the real test is going to be what they do with these series with the Nationals coming to town early this week and then of course next weekend sort of barn burner against the Cardinals yeah you know it's funny um this this game today would seem like such a breath of breath of fresh air because so many of these have been one run games the last like three weeks it's getting have you ever seen a team play so many tight games I don't know that we've seen it recently because the Cubs have generally been a lot better at either offensive production and or suppressing the other team's offense. So we, we haven't seen a lot of close games like that as Cubs fans in the last few years. But I do think that good teams win one run games. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cubs persist as this continues. And 
maybe the Cubs are just that team right now. They don't have completely lights out pitching. Although, like you said, Hendricks was really good today. Davies looks like he's on the up and up. Alzalay has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Alzalay, sorry. I always do that. I've been calling him the wrong name for the entire time that he was in the minors. And now I'm trying to fix it. Uh, but I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with those tight games. It works right now. They have an an okay end of their bullpen. Chafin and Kimbrell in particular have been outstanding. We'll see what happens as the season goes on. Yeah, it usually, they always say that, you know, the, the stats experts, quote unquote. And, you know, you're more stat friendly than, than I am, but I'm pretty stat friendly, but... Um, <laughs> They always say that one-run games tend to even out over the long stretch. But you do wonder if there's certain teams that, like, sometimes you really can make your own luck if you have a good bullpen. That's always like, you know, the Brewers, I mean, how long have the Brewers been living and dying by one-run games? Feels like five years. Probably, but the Brewers' bullpen is truly elite. So I think that they are able to get away with that more than, look, the Cubs have have brought up some arms this year that I've been really impressed with. I'm Mm -hmm. super impressed with Trevor McGill, super impressed with Justin Steele. I actually think what Dylan Maples has done has been encouraging. I'm really stoked about that. But I I don't know that we can put the Cubs' bullpen in the same category as like Devin Williams and Josh Hader and Brett Suter and all of that. So, yeah, the Brewers are able to do that. They're sort of designed to do that. I don't think this Cubs team is. Yeah, so it might be. In the Cubs case, it probably will probably return pretty close to even as the year goes on for one-run right. games. That's usually what happens. But, uh, yeah, and I, I'm trying to put off the discussion of John Lester because it's going to bum me out. But uh, I'll ask you one more before that. Um <laughs> Uh, so we've got, it kind of, you know, this kind of moves into John Lester. So this will actually be perfect. Um, Trevor Williams, man, this is just not working. (laughs) I mean, he can't, the, the, it's one thing that if he was giving up runs and could be, you know, give you innings. So like you get into the, um, six, seven, he's giving up four runs. Kind of like John Lackey used to do. You'd be like, okay, I can take that. But we're getting two, three inning starts where he gives up multiple runs. And it's just like, is that, I mean, how much longer can we keep doing this? Can we try Keegan Thompson, somebody else in that, that you know, starting spot? If you're only getting three innings, it doesn't seem like you basically have a bullpen day every five days. I just don't think it's going to work over a whole season. Well, it worked in the early part of the cup season because they had a ton of off days. I I don't know if you looked at the calendar through the Mm -hmm. first five or six weeks, but it looked like they had an off day or like once or twice, almost every week so far this season. That is not true for the next, I think it's a 21 or 24 game stint. Mm -hmm. The Cubs will no longer (laughs) have that cushion. And so I agree with you. I think that it's really going to be a thing to see what can happen 
on the days Williams pitches because you don't want to burn out your bullpen mm -hmm. entirely in those time periods. I think the bigger problem there is that Alec Mills, who is probably the most likely person yes. to step into that spot or to be the guy to help you out uh, when you need some long inning relief, is on the IL. And that is a huge problem for a team mm -hmm. that has at least one starter, but, but it's not just Trevor Williams. You know, there have been times where Zach Davies has only gone three mm -hmm. innings. There have been times when Kyle Hendricks has only gone two or three innings. The last time I looked and admittedly it was a couple of weeks ago, the Cubs bullpen had thrown more innings than any other bullpen in the majors. Mm -hmm. And that is not what you want to see in May. <laughs> it's like, no. if you get to like August or September and that's true, that's, that's one thing. But when that's true in May, it's a, it's a big red flag. So yes, I think Keegan Thompson can be helpful here. I am praying that there is some other Keegan Thompson like figure <laughs> somewhere mm -hmm. in Iowa who is going to be able to step up a little bit there too. I, I didn't love the Trevor Williams signing. I know mm -hmm. some people did. I think that he has improved some things with the Cubs that we should really be excited about. His caper nine has jumped considerably. It's up above 10 this season. It's never been higher than 7.97 before. His walks, though, have increased commensurate with that. And so mm -hmm. while he's giving up fewer home runs, he's just not he's basically just throwing a ton of pitches, putting guys on yes. and then they're being driven in. And that's not a recipe for success. No. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. I didn't love it either. I mean, I didn't, I didn't talk to you before the season, but I felt really good about the Zach Davies thing shows what I know, but his track record was very good, but I was just wondering, were you, did you like the Davies thing or were you skeptical of him? I like Zach Davies if he's not the return for you, Darvish, and Victor Caratini. Yes. So I think that Zach Davies is a really great pitcher. He's a nice three, four, five type of guy mm -hmm. to add to a team that wants to win. He's not a good number two, um, which is mm -hmm. what the Cubs have asked him to do this season. No offense to Zach Davies. I actually think he's been pretty great the last couple of times out, but mm -hmm. he's not your number two starter. He's no. not your number three starter. He shouldn't be your number three starter if you're trying to contend. And I, mean, I really thought that one year of Zach Davies for three years of you Darvish and Victor Caratini, mm -hmm. I don't even care what the caliber of like the 17 year olds you yes. got was. It was not a good enough return. Also, so yeah, also, that's sort of my Zach Davies stance. Why get rid of Caratini? What a weird way to like sabotage yourself because they have no offense to um, Tony Walters. They have no backup catcher. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Austin Romine has been on the DL and they do have some depth there. Although I don't think Miguel Amaya is close to being ready to call up to the major leagues. And I'm not sure that the Cubs want to start his clock until they figure mm -hmm. out what they're going to do at the trade deadline. I, I'm so frustrated with how much value the Cubs sent to the Padres for basically yes. some lottery tickets and a year of Zach Davies. And again, no offense to Zach Davies. I like him a lot. If the yes. Cubs had managed to make a trade for Zach Davies that did not include three years of each Victor Caratini yes. and you Darvish, I'm cool with that. I just feel like it was a mismatched exactly. deal. And I, you know, every time I'm watching, you Darvish, who was having an outstanding season mm -hmm. for San Diego. I'm just like, wow, imagine if the Cubs had you Darvish in their rotation right now instead of yes. Zach Davies. I'm pretty sure that they're in first place mm -hmm. and or like half a game behind the Cardinals. So yes. 
it's very frustrating as a Cubs fan to know that that's what the front office felt they had to do. Yes. Get, you know, at this point, though, if you think about it, and maybe this is wishful thinking by me, but I hope that I can call Albert Alzelay the number two starter for the rest of the year. But am I too, is that too far out in front? Have I put too much pressure on him? you are I think that the thing I worry about with Adbert is less whether he can do it and more his innings it's important to remember what was that the restrictions that they have well I don't even know what the restrictions are I just know that he's dealt with injury issues in the minors Mm -hmm. before and so it's one of those situations where you're sort of like wow I would love to see 150 innings out of Adbert Alzali and I just don't Mm -hmm. think he has that in him I'm trying to pull up the numbers on fan graphs yeah, right now, just so that I have them I right be, in front of yeah. me. I should be um, clear. Yeah, I should be clear. There aren't, they haven't like actually said that, but a lot of people are saying they assume that he's on an innings limit. Well, he has to be. Just, be. Yeah, he has to be. So like if we look at his major league totals in innings over the last few years, he threw 12 and a third innings in 2019. Mm-hmm. He threw 21 and a third in 2020. He's already got 32 innings in 2021. And admittedly, he threw some minor league innings in each of those seasons. But like I said, he's had some injury issues. So the last time Adbert threw over 120 innings was 2016. Yeah. And I just cannot imagine they are going to create a situation for themselves where they push him to the point where he breaks, right? He is the one guy that the pitching lab has been able to develop and get to this point. Mm -hmm. And his max number of innings in 2019, including his, um, including his minor league innings looks like it was right about 80. So he's closing in on that pretty quick. Um, You think like, actually they probably only want to get him up to like the 120 might be if you're looking at just 80 the year before, but you know what I mean? But it's just, I don't know. That, that's yeah. an awful lot. I, I mean, I think 120 days. might even really be pushing it. We don't know what he did at the alternate site last year mm-hmm. when he was not throwing with the Cubs up at, um, up at Wrigley Field. So it's possible that he was right around that 80 to 100 inning mark when you add in those alternate site stats. But it's still mm-hmm. just, I, he's already thrown quite a few innings relative yes. to where he's been in the last few seasons. And I, I can't imagine the team wants him to get hurt. That is your future. Number two, you're, you're trying to build a rotation around Kyle Hendricks and Adbert Alzali. Mm-hmm. And I pushing him in a season where the Cubs don't look like they're going anywhere. Seems problematic to me. And, you know, then we're going to get the depth and the rotation is going to be even more exposed. Once you have to shut down Alzali and yeah, I mean, they could really use some more length early in the year and they're not getting it. So it's not great. <laughs> Although Kyle Hendricks did his best to pull some vintage Kyle out today with uh, eight plus inning start mm-hmm. against the Tigers. And really, I think that he's fixed whatever was ailing him, yeah, you know, in the early part of the season. Yeah. That game against the Pirates was just ridiculous. He was, he was absolutely oh, yeah, fine was, in that game. Yeah, he got babbed to death. 
And that's going to happen to Kyle a few times a year because of the way his game works. So the Pirates game, I was not worried about. No, I was very concerned about those two starts against the Braves. Uh, he yes. gave up a lot of home runs, which was freaking me out. But I think that Kyle Hendricks has fixed whatever happened there. Mm-hmm. I actually think Zach Davies has too. I think both Davies and Hendricks are going to give the Cubs yes. more innings going forward, which is great news for the pen. Great news for Alzali. Um, not entirely sure. It's, I have no idea what this looks like going into July, yeah. August, September. I don't know either. That's the, what kind of team is this going to be? We, we have no idea. Well, I think it's a team that's going to sell. And I think Cubs yes. fans should get themselves ready for that. And I say that as probably one of the biggest like Cubs homers fan out there. But mm-hmm. you cannot let Chris Bryant walk for nothing. And if it doesn't look like you're going to extend him and he looks like he's having an MVP season, you have to try to turn him into some younger players. Yes. The same is probably true for a Javier Baez or an Anthony Rizzo. Although I think it's more likely that you could get some sort of extension talk going with one of them. The same is as much as this pains me also probably true for Wilson Contreras, who does have another year um, of control for the Cubs after this one, Mm -hmm. although that makes him more valuable. And if you can't get those guys locked up or it doesn't look like you're going to get those guys locked up, you have to do your best to turn them into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I, I've made my case several times before on the, um, my podcast about by the best guy to extend is Wilson Contreras, but I, I won't subject the people to that again. But I mean, <laughs> what, once they get the electronic strike zone, he's the most valuable catcher in the world. So I I think he's pretty valuable even without the electronic strike zone. One of the things that was really interesting to me, at least about Wilson Contreras is that um, when they got Craig driver over and I don't know if I don't want to get too in the weeds here for your listeners, but Craig driver was the coach Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. He did a lot of work with JT real Muto and really helped his framing. Mm -hmm. When they got Craig driver over that led me to believe that they wanted to invest in Contreras more in the long term and you saw an improvement in his framing last year off that i don't think that that is necessarily translated this year although those numbers take a while to stabilize so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna comment on wilson Contreras's framing or lack thereof for a couple i've already been on um several framing related rants because uh (laughs) i'm very pro wilson Contreras. gather you so oh yeah no i like i i feel like if i had room in my twitter bio it would say Wilson Contreras is number one fan TM, right? Like mm-hmm. I am, that is my role on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. But uh, you know, if you were like from a cold, you know, logical fan perspective, like you're not a fan, you're the executive or whatever, they're only gonna have sixty million dollars committed payroll rights going into next year. Why wouldn't you pull, pull all the money? And get Bryant resigned. The guy is so good. Even if you have to well, lose the, everyone else. Well, I that's why you don't do it, because you cannot build a championship team around one person. And if you have to choose between extending Baez, Rizzo, and Contreras or extending Chris Bryant, I think you do the three instead of the one. As mm-hmm. much as I love Chris Bryant, I think Chris Bryant is great. I am sure there's somebody out there listening to this right now who has already come up with some sort of scheme 
where they can extend all four of them. And that, that is possibly true. I, and that would be outstanding. I'm, I'm not going to, well, that scheme would be (laughs) the the Ricketts realizing they're billionaires, but that's a different story. Yeah, no, they're never going to realize that they firmly seem to believe that uh, if they are not making oodles of cash, they are poor. And that's just not true, but what are you going to do? Yeah, because I sometimes I get people on Twitter, you know, get pushed back. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not saying the Cubs shouldn't sign all these guys and that they can't afford it. I think they can. The Ricketts are saying it. When you're not going to change their mind, so it's not good. You know, we're not going. We can argue till the you know our faces are blue. They're not going to spend. So we just have to accept that's the reality we're in. Yeah, I think you said it well. That's correct. Still sucks, but. Oh, it totally sucks. Speaking of, John Lester's coming back to Chicago. Yeah. As a national. When he could have signed for about the amount they paid for Trevor Williams. But that's a different story. I mean, I would rather have John Lester pitching for this team right now than Trevor Williams. I've said that a few places. I know I've said it on the podcast I co-host with Andy mm-hmm. Cruz Vanasek, Cup of Cubby Blue. I did not actually write the piece I was going to write that made that argument this summer or this uh, winter when all of the deals were happening. Not because I didn't believe it. I just, I ran out of time. It was uh, one of those things was on my mind. And then I never quite got around to getting the piece together. But yeah, I'm stoked. Look, I circled this first game against the Nationals on the calendar when the schedule came Mm -hmm. out. Because uh, if you go to Wrigley Field a lot, you know that whenever the team plays a team that has some former Cubs on it who are making their first appearance at Wrigley Field. There's always great montages. There's a bunch of stuff. There's just like really cool moments that you only get to see if you're in the stands. So you'll see like Lester going over to talk to his old buddies and Schwarber's doing the same thing. I cannot wait, honestly, cannot wait to see Kyle Schwarber take left field and wave to the fans in the bleachers. I've spent so many summer days watching Schwarber dance and play with the crowd out in left field. It's going to be outstanding to see him return there. But this was one of those games where I was like, I'm going to be there no matter what. And for Lester to be starting the game, (laughs) for Lester to be pitching against the Cubs Mm -hmm. in his first return to Wrigley Field, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole other thing of emotions. And I just, I, I think I'm ready for it. I'm going to have to stuff as many tissues into my tiny bag as they will let me take into Wrigley Field. Well, you know, I was thinking about it. Arietta never pitched against the Cubs. At he Ridley, did not. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I, yeah. I was at Arietta's first game back too, and that montage and tip of the cap and everything was great. But he was not pitching that series. I don't remember if he ever pitched there. He might have last. Uh, no, he wouldn't have last year because the Cubs never played the Phillies. So no. Nope. Yeah, Arietta never did. You're right. But yeah, um, if he hits a home run, though, good God, place will be up. I hope ground. he does. I hope John Lester has an outstanding game. I hope John Lester gets a quality start, hits a home run, all sorts of great things happen, and I hope the Cubs win. And Mm -hmm. that would be incredible to me. Yeah, sounds pretty good. So um, now I'll ask you then, which guy is going to be more emotional, Lester or Schwarber? Like emotional that the fans are going to see or actually emotional? No, for you. (laughs) Oh, for me, I probably Lester, 
Um, I have a huge soft spot for Leicester. A lot of people know that my second favorite team is the Boston Red Sox. And I watched Leicester out there for a long time. I watched the Red Sox kind of jerk Leicester around a little bit, trade him to the Mm -hmm. A's, think they were going to get him back when his contract was up. Didn't do it because Theo beat them to it. Watched him do great things for the Cubs. Watched the Cubs kind of jerk John Lester around. So mm-hmm. I am always and forever a huge John Lester fan. I think that he is an absolute gamer. And one of these pitchers who, quite frankly, he's like, he's like the anti-Kershaw. Mm-hmm. Kershaw is an all-time great who can't show up in the postseason consistently. Lester is nowhere near as good of a pitcher as Kershaw, but that man is nails in the postseason. He mm-hmm. will just get it done in October and he's pitched almost a full season in the postseason to like a minuscule ERA. I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's like 1.97 or 2.12 or, or one of those things that you're like, how did you do that? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I will be, um, Lester's going to bug me more because I really like Lester too. Schorber, I was fine with, but my favorite uh, Cub outfielder has always been uh, Jorge Soler. We're still doing pretty good. Yeah. City. But he was always my favorite, so. But I like Lester, so. Not that I don't like Shorebirds. That'll be the one that bothers me a bit. But I hope he does good, so. And I have to uh, put aside a special thought for my colleague, uh, Corey Friedman, who is going to be very emotional for him. His hero, John Lester, being on the other team, but... Stay strong, Corey. You'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, he'll be all right. All right. So um, I guess the other thing I was going to ask you about is um, coming up against the Cardinals. It's kind of like I you want the Cubs to be close enough to get really make that interesting. So, But it's still early in the year, but it feels like that Cardinal series is – very important for the Cubs this year. Yeah, it really does. And it also, you know, I'm I'm watching the Cardinals right now on Sunday Night Baseball. It feels like a winnable series to me. It feels Mm -hmm. like this team is, yes, they're they're at the top of the division. The NL Central has the exact same parity thing going on it's had for the last few Mm -hmm. seasons. All of the teams are really clustered together. I think there's some weaknesses here. I mean, I'm not trying to underestimate their pitching. I'm not trying to underestimate their guys who have really shown up and done Mm -hmm. some great things this year. I've also seen the Cubs sweep the Dodgers. So Mm -hmm. if the Cubs can sweep the Dodgers, I think they can make short work of St. Louis. And I am curious, you know, one of the things I've noticed about this Cubs team is with the exception of that Brave series, they really do seem to show up Mm -hmm. against better competition. And so I, I sort of think that the, the Cubs might come to play in St. Louis. And I know that my girl Andy will be there cheering them on. So it's going to be outstanding. Yes. Yeah, you know, the one the big weakness they have is their bullpen. Now, will it be weak against the Cubs? I don't know. But, you know, you get at past their starters. They're kind of vulnerable. So you never know. Exactly. I, I agree with that. And I, I'm watching their bullpen right now because Kim only made it about three innings in this mm-hmm. game against the Padres and their bullpen looks very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then again, Cubs Cardinals, you never know what's going to happen. Both teams really tend to step up for that one. Yes. Yeah, you know, the, 
the excitement's always big. Um, something crazy will happen. Um, always does. So I'll let you uh, plug some of your work. You uh, doing some stuff on Fangraphs now? That's exciting. I am. I yeah. I started with Fangraphs on April first. It's been really cool, honestly, uh, and a little bit intimidating. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Fangraphs has been my long-term first stop shop for everything. What's going on? What should I be paying attention to? Their stat system is outstanding. Really easy to run player splits and make some cool graphs about what your different players are doing. And so I applied to be a part-time contributor there. I was thrilled to be accepted. And yeah, I've been working on a lot of different things there. Most recently, a piece on how anomalous this no hitter spike that has started mm -hmm. the 2021 season has been. Yeah. What 1917 was it? The last time it was. Yeah. 1908 and 1917 were kind of the peak years for no hitters, both of which had seven. Um, and that rate of, so if you, what I did was I calculated the rate of no hitters per game. And it mm -hmm. turns out that that peak. So those, years where it's happened the most was 0.48% of games resulted in no hitters. The average across all of the games since 1901, which is when the American League came into existence, mm -hmm. is 0 0.135. Wow. This year, we're sitting at about 0 0.81, which is a lot higher than anything any of us has ever seen before. And I want to caveat that by saying that, you know, no hitters are atypical events, mm -hmm. so they don't happen in periodic intervals, sometimes you get five and then you won't get any for months and months and months yes. or even years. It's actually more likely that you will see a season without a no hitter than for you to see a season with multiple, with no hitters that are like more than four. They don't, they four, don't, five, like six. A, they don't swarm. It's not like they, yeah. one no hitter sees the other one and they're like, hey, another no hitter. Well, exactly. And, and, and so to eliminate some of that noise, there's this really great site called No No Hitters. Um, dot com and they sort of track at least since 2015 the almost no hitters right so every time yeah, you get yeah. an MLB alert that says a no hitter has been taken into mm -hmm. the seventh inning go check it out they check that they they track that and even by that metric um, the almost no hitters are up too so it used to be that those were uh, about slightly less than one percent of games about um, 0.81 percent of games would be almost no hitters and then some of some small percentage of those would turn into actual yeah, yeah. no hitters and this year it's up to 2.85 so wow. 2.85 of games almost three percent of games are resulting in us getting some sort of alert on our phone <laughs> that well, a, a no hitter have, might be in progress maybe we should uh listen to theo epstein and move the bow back a foot that might happen i i am a little skeptical of the move the mound back play not because I don't think it would work it might um I want to see that take that tried out in the minor leagues first mm -hmm. like they're doing with some other stuff I feel like one of the reasons we're having this historic spike in no hitters and, and admittedly I can't prove it this is all hypothetical on my part mm -hmm. is I think that changing the baseball changed the way pitches moved just enough that batters are totally off at the moment. I actually yeah. think some pitchers are off at the moment too. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, real control artists like Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies have that struggled was, in the early part sense. of the season. Uh, admittedly, this is all just like hypothetical in my head. Well, the, right? other one but... I, the other one I heard was 
that all the guys using the um, sticky substances on the yep. ball are getting more spin rate. Yeah, that could be it too. Although MLB announced a crackdown on that. So you would almost think that that would result in pitchers being wilder because yeah. they wouldn't want to be caught by the MLB crackdown. And we, and we do know that MLB has been confiscating balls from various games and then comparing those pitcher spin rates to stat cast data mm -hmm. and trying to figure out who are the real outliers in terms of junking up the ball. Frankly, yeah. um, I looked at that a little bit in a piece I did for Fangraphs on the hit by pitch rate, which is also sky high. So hit, hit by pitches, wild pitches, strikeouts, and no hitters are all sort of at historic highs, which tells you a lot about how players, about what players mean the ball to do and what it's actually doing. It's deviating yeah. a bit from what they want it to and batters are having a hard time keeping up, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in, in that instance, you know, we would almost want pitchers to use stuff if it meant that they yeah. could not hit somebody in the, people, yeah. in the head. Like, can we stop that? Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's still a lot, a small amount of data. So we're going to have to get more information as the season goes on. Yep. Well, it's very interesting. And yeah, it, and I should recommend that, not to recommend other people's podcasts, but Theo Epstein was actually on the Bill Simmons podcast and talked all about this stuff. So, yeah, I have that in my queue and I have not listened to it yet. So I'm I'm waiting for that one for early next week when I'm doing some work. It's very interesting. Good yeah. stuff. I cannot wait to listen. Okay, so now where can uh, people find you on the internet? Media you can find me. Yeah, you can find me on a few different places now. So my writing about the Cubs is at bleedcubbyblue.com. I just did a look at why Ian Happ was struggling early in the season. I think he might have fixed it. Fingers crossed. It looked like he had a swing that he had swing for whatever reason, whether he was reaching for pitches or what what was going on. Um, his launch angle had kind of collapsed. Was, he was still hitting everything hard, but he was hitting everything hard straight into the ground. Mm -hmm. That didn't look to be the case uh, in that series in Detroit. So I am cautiously optimistic that Ian Happ might be back. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. um, and then at Fangraphs, uh, looking at all sorts of different things that are generally of a more national variety, like the no-hitter piece or the hit-by-pitch piece. And uh, still doing Cup of Cubby Blue with my girl, Andy Cruz Vanasek. So that is at Cup of Cubby Blue. And if you're just interested in my, you know, Garden Day variety baseball takes on Twitter, you can follow me at at BCB underscore Sarah. There is no H on the Sarah. Okay. Dad, thank you as always for coming on. And hopefully uh, everyone keeps their emotions in check tomorrow. Oh, I, I'm... Like I said, I'm bringing all the tissues to Wrigley Field. But thank you again for having me, Sean. It's always a blast to talk Cubs with you. Yep. Now that the season's going, I'm going to try to up the number of episodes we're doing and just keep giving you all that uh, Cubs news and insight that you guys love to hear. And until our next episode, thank you as always. <laughs>